0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, hey guys, good morning. Good being with you. Today we are starting a brand new message series called Better Together. Uh, It's really interesting, right as before I I came here uh, today to to start to teach this message, I I got a phone call, or actually no, a text message from my phone And I'll read to you what it said. It's a friend of mine um, from back on the East Coast, and he sent me this message. He said, Marielle and the kids have left me this morning. I I stopped what I was doing immediately, and I called my friend right away. I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh my goodness, the worst has happened. He's a busy, busy man, works uh, in the government, has been deployed overseas back and forth over the years. He's like any young family man who's struggling in this COVID season, trying to stay afloat in this crisis, and he reaches out to me for help with a text. The unfortunate part was, is that he texted me two hours before I saw it, so I pick up the phone. Although I'm incredibly busy trying to get here to teach this message, I get this minutes before I come to you today in to teach, and I get this message. So I say, I have to call him. So I call him. And I say, hey, Tom, hey, buddy, longtime friend. I said, I'm so sorry, what happened? Marielle and the kids left you? And he said, yeah, they left for Arkansas this morning. They're going down to visit family and friends. (laughs) And I said to myself, you gotta be kidding me. You're a jerk. I thought your wife totally left you. He said, yeah, I know. I was just testing out to see who my real friends were who would call me or text me. I thought, oh my goodness, that is a cheap way to try to test your friendship. Uh, The reality is, is that we all need people in our life that we could text and they would call, that we could reach out to, and within a, a short period of time, they will be there for us in life. And the reality is, is that we all need each other. And today, what I wanna do is talk to you about and teach through, a, start a brand new message series about the importance of being better together. But it really comes down to a vision, a biblical vision of what God wants together. And my concern is, is that sometimes maybe we, our vision is blurred. Maybe you've seen the movie uh, Rocky, uh, Rocky Four is kind of an American media historical movie, there's this famous scene in Rocky where he's fighting Drago, this tall, blonde Russian. And that's in, he's like only got like nine lines in the whole movie. I guess he didn't know English. And so they put him in just because he's big and bad to the bone looking. He's got literally nine lines in Rocky Four. Rocky just Google it and check it out. And it's all like, I'll kill him. I am the best. Like, it's just silly. So anyway, they go to fight and uh, Rocky's going to, to duke it out, and they're fighting for the heavyweight champion, and, and Rocky gets the snot beat out of him by this tall Russian guy, and, and so then he's trying to regroup, goes to his corner, and after getting beat up pretty bad, Rocky says to his, his coach, he says, I see three of them out there. I see three. I don't see one. I see three, and then Polly, the little short guy, one of Rocky's best friend and coach and and a brother uh, to Adrian uh, says, well, hit the one in the middle. And then another coach chimes in, yeah, right, hit the one in the middle. The coach, all, they all chime in together. And what's interesting about that line is that it's actually borrowed from kind of legendary, a legendary moment in boxing history. On June 8th of 1933 in Yankee Stadium, there was an American boxer, Max Baer, uh, fighting Max Schmilling, uh, a German, and they were going toe-to-toe for the heavyweight championship of the world. Bear got the snot beat out of him, bruised, and before the fight was almost over, uh, or was almost called, Bear stumbled into his corner and says to the, his coach, Jack Dempsey, a former heavyweight, and says, I see three of him. And then Jack responds and says, we'll hit the one in the middle. So Bear got up and did just that. He knocked out his opponent cold on the floor, defeating him and winning by a technical knockout. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever bumped your head and got a concussion where you're dizzy and disoriented and you couldn't see straight, it was so bad? Well, in the Christian life, it is incredibly easy to get disoriented and have a skewed vision on what God's way of living and life is all about. And when it comes to the Christian life, what we need to realize is that our opponent, the devil literally wants to take jabs at us as we learned in Ephesians about the helmet of salvation, the mind wants to distort our thinking, our theology, our way of life and doing things when it comes to a vision. The word division means two visions. It's a double vision in a sense. And what right now, what you need to understand is that there's so much division going on in our country, in our communities, and oftentimes in our churches. And what we need to do is have a clarifying godly vision, not a division, and see what God wants for us. And that's why we're launching into this brand new message series called Better Together. What, you, what I want to introduce to you is this reality that there is a dark side to division, I've said it before, but division is demonic and unity is godly. Division is demonic. It has its origins in Satan. Um, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1.10, the apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. There is a call for the Christian to be unified. The vision for the church is people from all walks of life coming together, uh, regardless of economic status or ethnicity or education, but coming together, united as one uh, under the big umbrella of Jesus Christ. And so the reality is, is that how do we do that? We've got to realize there is an opponent trying to do a counterfeit not, uh, where there's a division, a divide. And so the origins of all division that you see in the world around us as we launch into this Better Together series, I think it's more than a cliche. It is a fact. It's God's vision that we are absolutely better together. But we have to understand first and foremost that there is a, a counterforce against us to divide us. And the origins of division really start uh, with Satan. In, in the scripture, the Bible says in Revelation twelve four that there's this rebellion in heaven by an angelic figure by the name of Lucifer, who, which means a luminous one, a very gifted one. Lucifer was one of the, the brightest and most gifted of angels, if you will. And there's this rebellion against God's glory, where now there is a ambition, uh, threat for a revolution where Lucifer wants to divide the armies. He has a different vision for what he believes glory should be for, and he thinks it's for him. And so he takes a third of the angels, deceives them, uh, lures them, and then there's this revolt, there's this rebellion, there is this division. And so the good news is is two thirds of the angels are still uh, uh on God's, in God's army, waging war against the one- third uh against spiritual forces of darkness. But our origins of division really come from the kingdom of darkness, not a kingdom of light, the kingdom of Satan, not a kingdom of God. And there is the the the, the fight behind the fight in division is demonic. It's always been demonic. And it starts with with Satan. Um, Genesis three and four, you don't have to go very far, but you see that there's this outcome of division. The outcome of division uh, immediately starts with a breaking down of the family unit. In Adam and Eve, right after we see uh, uh, the creation of humanity, Satan, the deceiver, comes in to divide. Divide Adam and Eve and forms a what? A division against their unity that they have with God. And so he deceives them and then he divides them. And then they even turn on themselves and they fight. And they have frustration and pain and sin enters the world and infects everything and everyone. Genesis 4, what do you see? They're kids what do they do? They fall into the the temptations as well, where one raises up and fights and kills the other in anger. And there's another faction, another division. And so division, the origin is Satan and the outcome is death ultimately. And then it plays out in the church where churches are killed off because of divisions, how many churches have you seen or been a part of or heard of that split and then went through divisions and ultimately they led that they, the churches died in the New Testament. the apostle Paul warns consistently repeatedly about staying unified, and the chief message that he was preaching and teaching was that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, all people had a positional peace, a unity within their own lives because of the work of Jesus Christ. And therefore, that's why you see that Paul in Galatians comes against Peter and, and, and confronts him. It says that he poses him to his face regarding the gospel of unity. And then in Acts chapter, I think it is uh, uh, 19, where you see um, uh, this. The, the, in Acts 15, where in 11, you see that there is this uh, Jerusalem council that is formed together, and all the leadership of the church comes together, and they're discussing the inclusion of Gentiles with Jews into Christian churches and it's, 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 it's about race and, and there's division about ethnicity and there's a fight and there's a resistance and there is an attack on the church in the early days of the, the formation of the church and it's still here with us today and, uh, and it's the enemy, the deceiver, the devil waging war, creating division, creating another division, So you see that all the division that we feel, that we face, that we go through, you have to see the fight behind the fight. It's the sin beneath the sin. There's a a call for the Christian to wage war, not on earth, but in heaven, that we are called to, if we're going to fix our earthly problems, we've got to go to a heavenly place in a sense, a spiritual place, and call upon God, the supernatural power of God, his angelic forces to help wage war in the heavenly places. And so every fight that you see, there's a fight behind the fight. There's a a deeper side, a darker side to every division you see. In marriage, when parents split up, there's a greater division going on behind that. There's always a fight behind the fight. That's why the apostle Paul Talks about this this not so obvious side of division, because when you and I see division, we we think, well, they're just it's a bad person or mean person or or whatever be the case, and you know if we got rid of them or did this or did that, and uh, then then we wouldn't have these divisions. Well, no, there's an, an a division problem that has infected our society. And it is not going to fully go away until Jesus returns and eradicates and gives us the cure against sin forever. And so right now in the present time, you and I, we've experienced God's grace and forgiveness. And so we walk and we are forgiven people and we are not under the, the, the power of sin. We have the freedom to choose and do good, but one day we'll be freed from the presence of sin, where there is no more sin, sickness, or sorrow, or racism, or riots, or division, and no more demonic attacks that are infiltrating, infecting, and affecting everything. And so the the Apostle Paul says this, though. He says, in Ephesians six twelve, this not so obvious side of division, he says, for we are not fighting the fights, the factions, the division. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. So when you stand up to live as a Christian, when you live for unity in your heart, in your home, in your world, when you stand up and, and you seek the good of all people and your claiming unity in your church in your community when you're doing that you're starting wars you're creating resistance you're fighting against these dark forces These rulers, authorities, that shows that there's rank, there's power, there's authority in these demonic legions of angels, these fallen angels. It says of the unseen world, that means that a supernatural world, that is a part of our spiritual uh, Christian worldview we have to take into account. It's part of the unseen world and against these mighty powers. So please don't downplay the power of the demonic. Don't downplay the power of the devil. He has, he has incredible power. You go back and you look in Exodus, there's a showdown of God's power versus demonic power with the plagues and all those things that you see with every miracle that Moses performs. There's a counterfeit miracle, a powerful miracle from the demonic side depending on what your theology is, will determine a little bit about what you believe about the supernatural realm. But there is absolutely, from a biblical perspective, as far as I'm concerned, and many other historical, conservative, evangelical pastors and theologians would say, absolutely the supernatural realm has to play a part of your Christian worldview. There is this reality that there's this unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So there's that heavenly places. If you want to accomplish victory on earth, you need to be petitioning the power in the heavenly places. Our problem is not simply on earth. There's a problem in the supernatural realm. There's a division, a rebellion that's always been waging war. Division is demonic, unity is godly. And so what do we do? We have to constantly as Christians seek and pray and ask God, when we, when we begin to uh, tap into a supernatural power through Jesus Christ in prayer, we're accessing angelic power or, or accessing godly power. And then we are able to, what the apostle Paul says, walk in the spirit. You're, you're walking in that. And, 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 and in that, you, you become a stronger force of light driving out darkness in everywhere you go. And so there is this reality that you have to see in division. There's a dark side to division. And that we as Christians, if we're going to embrace this vision of better together, we can never downplay the dark side of division. Understanding there is an origin, there there is an outcome, and and there is a not-so-obvious reality that you and I must embrace and so in that, what I wanna encourage you to do is now gain a vision of being better together and what that looks like. The, the Bible teaches constantly, continually, consistently that we are better together. In fact, this phrase, one another, is mentioned a hundred times in the New Testament. And through this series, we're gonna be looking at the importance of one another. And what that means is that in a sense that God made us for one another. We don't just belong to ourselves We belong to a community. The Christian, Western, American worldview is by and large, very individualistic, self-centered. Probably the greatest spiritual force of darkness that you and I face is selfism. A spirit of selfism that invades the American mind that tries to think continually, consistently, solely on thyself. And the reality is, is the Bible is absolutely calling for a Countercultural worldview and saying, no, you're called to be selfless. And so uh, that, that's a struggle. As Christians, you've heard it said before, do you have a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's good. Every Christian needs a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but no Christian should have a private relationship with Jesus Christ. And my concern is in the midst of this whole Crazy COVID crisis is that so many Christians around the country are finally coming to church online, but they're going to stay on their couch once the doors reopen. And what's wrong with that is that you cannot do effectively the one another, the better together, fully from your couch. You got to be with other believers. And so, what do we do in the meantime? You've got to fundamentally and faithfully understand the the incredible biblical challenge that we're given, that we are called to one another. This is a one another Bible teaching series for you. That you understand that you are made in God's image, created from the very beginning. The Bible says he made man, and then it says it was not, he needed uh, somebody else. It was not good for him to be alone, so he makes a helper. So, from the very formation, the foundation, there's this need. So you and I have to embrace this reality that we need to be better together. This is what the Psalms say, Psalms 133, 1, how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. There is something good about unity. And it it is a good and godly experience. Unity is godly, division is demonic. And so, um, what I wanna do is I wanna walk through four reasons as to why we are better together. Number one, we bear the witness of Jesus and his church uh, better together. In other words, you shine bigger and brighter when you are together, unified with other believers. So many times people from the outside judging the inside of the church talk about the hypocrisy. They'll talk about uh, 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 the divisions, the factions, the things that are going on in there. This is why Jesus' uh, high priestly prayer was so important that he, his prayer for all generations of all Christians, for all times, in all places would be that they would ha- be united around a worship and a love for Jesus Christ. And so we as Christians are called to that, this incredible, uncomfortable levels of unity among other Christian friends and family. And so there's this reality though, that it's, there's this tension that we face uh, in our culture. Um, I grew up in what I would call the racial South in Arkansas. I can remember in high school, I was invited, I was handed a flyer to go to Harrison, Arkansas and join the Klan rally. And I was invited by a friend of mine to become a member for $15. I remember I was not a Christian. And I remember thinking to myself, I kind of liked that guy, but now I kind of don't. Because I had friends that were uh, bloods and crip in the African-American community. There was white folks in there too, but I had friends on all sides. And that that actually helped me in so much. It gave me a sense of, of power and influence because I could access different communities for different things. I was a bad kid, didn't know Jesus, but I definitely wasn't racist. But it created a lot of problems too. Uh, I had death threats, and I remember uh, all my final exams in my senior year. I was escorted by the police from room to room because there was death threats uh, on me about uh, because I was involved with the KKK, the the Crips, and the Bloods. That was the rumors that were going around. The tension that I faced as a kid and the dark side of division that I saw. I wanted out. it's it's no wonder I became a Christian right after graduating high school. I'm like, the world is screwed up. People are evil. There's so much evil in our world and the violence and the hatred and the bigotry and the racism. And I distanced myself from those folks. But I had friends in, in white community, black community alike. And one thing that I've learned as a Christian looking back is that I always tried to listen to the other side. And I think that's an incredibly important lesson for Christians. You, you might be offended that I actually had friends connected to the KKK community. Well, let me tell you about some of these guys. These guys were white rednecks that lived in the backwoods of Arkansas that were taught by their great grandfather, their grandfather and their dad and their mom that they were a superior race and, and that they're better. Furthermore, my friends in the, in the African-American community, and this was a crazy school. This is why HBO did gang banging in Little Rock and filmed our high school. And we had riots at lunch. And I was a part of those uh, uh, riots, pulling back my friends from getting uh, beat up or torn up. And the cops arrested my friends on a regular basis throughout my high school year. Um, but I, was, I stayed in the middle and that created a lot of problems. Furthermore, African-American friends, they were taught from a very young age that all white people, are racist. So that's why it became so problematic for me to have so many friends in the black community because they thought fundamentally I was racist and had something that I was only leveraging with them to use them and and have my ways. My point in saying all this is I I came out of this incredible need as a Christian to say, "I I, I need a new vision. Because it's been so distorted, so uh, hit upon by the enemy. And so, in becoming a Christian, I immersed myself in the scriptures and I started to see passages like this in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. It says, For just as uh, the one body is one and has many members, and all have members of the same body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ, for we are in one spirit. We're baptized with Jews, slaves, free. We're all made together under one big umbrella. And I started to realize that, that the gospel is just for all people. And I got excited about that. And for years and years, I went on a rampage and and just started preaching the gospel to all my friends in all those different communities. And many of them came to know faith in Jesus Christ, left their gang, left the racist uh, groups that they were a part of, and God's been at work. And I I wanna encourage you to realize the importance of being better together. Um, We need each other. It's incredible important that we are a greater witness for Jesus Christ when we're together. We can do far greater good we can do far more for God's glory when we're together, when there is a witness, a testimony of diversity in the Christian community, but yet a unity in the Christian community is a powerful influence. North Valley, you guys have been working hard and better together. I'm so proud of seeing how uh, on, not, uh, on, on another uh, level, there's just this, uh, this unity of heart and mind to work together from seeing our church staff move and shift in seven days from an onsite ministry to an online ministry. And, and we were able to do so much of that because of your generosity as a church that we're working together in giving and contributing and participating together to make sure that ministry still happens. We are a stronger witness when we're working together. We did a here to help initiative and we uh, reached out to people in our community that we didn't even know, didn't even go to our church and said, we wanna help. And we're able to financially assist them at some level or another. And every legitimate need that came in, we were able to grant because of your generosity. Additionally, we did this uh, uh, drop-off food drive and we took a huge trailer load because of your generosity of food to the Navajo Nation. Our brothers and sisters, folks were better together Additionally, we've been able to do a a number of major campus development projects because of your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving for those of you that have been giving to the Campus Development Fund. We've been doing so much and cannot wait till you come back to see what, what we've been able to accomplish There's been a number of things. Uh, We've been reaching out to others. I've heard stories. Maybe you saw the impact email about Ryan and Hunter and how they reached out to their friends and neighbors during Easter season and invited them over for communion. And we're just being a witness together. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen at North Valley, listen, we're better together. When we witness together, when we work together, our influence shines brighter through this North Valley and beyond. Additionally, secondly, I want to remind you that uh, another reason why we're better together is that we better understand ourselves. We better understand who we are as Christians. Proverbs nineteen twenty says, listen to advice, accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. You need other people in your life to understand how you are. I like to say Christians are like Skittles. They come in all colors and all flavors. And if you can appreciate a pack of Skittles, maybe you can appreciate Christians from different uh, backgrounds and different personality types. You got to embrace that kind of vision. Uh, There's a couple of kinds of Christians that I've seen um, that we tend towards. I like to say uh, there's kind of two main classifications of types of Christians when it comes to personality types or mindsets. And we tend towards one or the other. The first is what I would call like the down in the dumps Christians. These are the pessimistic. This is the glass is half empty. This is the sky is falling. This is the chicken little. This is the person that sees the problem and doesn't know the solution. This is the person that constantly, continually needs the encouragement from another friend. You know, if you have the gift of encouragement, your job is to help the discouraged. See, we're better together and you need people in your life to better understand your personality bent and the people around you. The church is always better together. So you could perhaps tend towards the pessimistic side, the negative side, the down in the dump side, the earthly, not the eternal vision. Instead of praise reports, you're given prayer requests all the time. You can't remember the last time you said, I give praise to God for this. You might be down in the dumps and you need encouragement. Then there's another side of Christianity that I call the the head in the clouds Christians. The head in the clouds Christians are, everything is wonderful. The sky is blue, the sun is out. I say all the time, I tend towards this side. I say all things considered, I'm doing great. Even when the bad things happen, because I'm trying to tally up all, at least all things considered, I'm doing good. And the reality is, is sometimes that can come across as as, uh, disingenuous. When, when you're trying to spend time with other folks. But these head in the cloud Christians are always got an eternal perspective. They're always thinking about heaven. They're, they're always excited. They're always constantly uh, uh, thinking about the next greatest thing. Everything's painted in a positive picture. Nothing is really, uh, if some problem comes their way, sometimes it's just dismissed altogether. But God uses these two kinds of Christians, whichever one you tend towards, to help us get to a point to better understand ourselves to become more emotionally mature. And what I wanna challenge you to understand is that you need other people in your life because you need spiritual, emotional health. And what you have to understand is that the world doesn't need to look just like you. The world needs to... uh, learn from one another and ultimately their heavenly father. And so the reality is, is this, I love what Ecclesiastes says. It says, there's a time for everything. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to rejoice. We need emotional maturity. The apostle Paul says in Corinthians, he says, if one member of the church suffers, then all should suffer together. If one member is honored, then all should rejoice together. In other words, you and I need to be able to navigate. We got our head in the clouds and our friend is down in the dumps. You need to get your head out of the cloud and walk with them in the dumps for a minute and say, get out of there you gotta keep a heavenly perspective. Or if your head's in the cloud all the time and you're dismissing all the problems, maybe you have a terrible worldview of the power of sin in our world. And you don't even understand the theological consequences of how sin has entered the world and infected, affected everything and everyone. And the reality is, is you need a friend who's maybe perhaps down in the dumps to say, would you quit being so ignorant, disingenuine? Would you not be more real? Could you not validate the pain and the suffering that we see around us? The tension, the fights, the factions. See, God wants us better together. The apostle Paul challenges us to do this. So what do we need? We need to be grounded, but Godward. That's a third classification of Christians. And I think that we are called to, got your head in the clouds or you're down in the dumps. You need to be grounded, but you need to be Godward. And what that means is, is that you understand theologically and biblically that you are um, better together when you're ministering and helping the discouraged, the down and the out. When you're ministering and helping those that got their heads in the clouds and realize there is some kind of uh, balance to this. That you need to be, as Romans 12 two, it says, don't be conformed in the world. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't take everything in the, all the culture and just apply it to yourself and live it. No, we live on kingdom values, not earthly values. We don't conform to the patterns of the world, but we're transformed by this world. And then Jesus said in John 17 that he sends his disciples into the world, but not of the world. We need to be grounded, but godly. It means that you need to see the pain, the suffering. You need to see the, the division. You need to see the fights, the faction. You need to listen to both sides of the people where there's ever, there's a fight and a faction. You don't quickly rally to the other side. You listen for the pain. You listen for the hurt. And, if you're, and then you lift up and you hold on to hope. That's grounded but godly. And that's what we're all challenged to. See, we're we're better together. And when we're together, then we can better understand ourselves. And the apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi, it says, your citizenship's not on earth, it's in heaven. We have an eternal citizenship. So, oh, should we be all the more optimistic? Or in Colossians, it says that we are to have an eternal mindset, a heavenly perspective, that we should set our minds on things above, not on things below. So there is validation and reason for the head in the clouds and there is validation and reason for down in the dumps. Jeremiah says, for the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. That's not very encouraging. Romans says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul says, I'm a wretched sinner I'm a, wretched, I'm a wretched, wretched sinner. I'm stuttering like crazy. Uh, and, I, and he needs the grace of God. And so the reality is, is that we need both. Third, number three, four reasons why we need to be better, we're better together is that we get through tough times. And I'll go through these kind of quick. But this is kind of a no-brainer. My buddy Tom texted me just to test, to see if I'd be with him in a tough time. When I die, I bet Tom will be... Uh, he'll be holding my casket. If I decide to do that, maybe I'll just be, uh, get ashes or whatever. And then people all worry, oh, but what about the resurrection? Uh, we'll talk about that another time. But the, but the point being is that we, we need each other to get through tough times and we're better together. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is this law of Christ in Galatians 6.2? It's, it's the second commandment, love your neighbor. Let's, those are Jesus's laws. He sums up all the law with two, love God, love neighbor. And Paul says, we're called to bear one another's burdens. If you are impatient, you are helping fuel division. You need to be patient with others to understand so you can better engage and minister. The apostle Paul challenges us to to bear one another's burdens over the last few days, here are some things that I've heard from friends and family within North Valley. So you can understand, man, we are in tough times. Okay, let me just share with you from a pastor's perspective, the things that I hear in three days. A family member had to evacuate their home due to wildfires. Another family packed their bags, waited and watched as the fire trucks defended their house and their neighborhood from being burned down. Another family lost their job this week. An, a, a friend uh, just uh, lost a cousin due to COVID-19. A couple in our church frustrated about, was incredibly frustrated about the political tension. Another's really upset about the racial injustice and the lack of peace in our country. A police officer friend of mine is tired of staying out late to try to break up riots. Another one is quitting and leaving his retirement plan because he's sick and tired of being hated. A young mother is afraid uh, her child has contracted the virus. A young girl struggles with increased sense of anxiety because she's lost a connection to her friends. And another mom is, is sad because she can't see her mom who's in a nursing home. Another family member is, is sad because they can't travel back to their family due to travel restrictions. The reality is, is man, we're in troubled times. So how, how do we deal with this? I mean, Jesus said, In this world, you're going to face trouble. But he also told us that we we need one another. In fact, it's interesting in troubled times, if you think about the life of Jesus, Jesus needed friends in troubled times. One of his darkest hours in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was going to be crucified, he called his friends together and said, will you watch and will you pray? Will you be with me? And they were there. And then they failed him but he needs friends. If Jesus needs friends through tough times, don't you and I? the reality is, is that we are better together. We get through tough times when we're together. Let me ask you a question. Who do you invite, invite into your garden of Gethsemane? In your darkest hours, who do you text? Who do you reach out to? And let me tell you something. It can be beyond your neighborhood group. It can be beyond North Valley community church members. It needs to be other godly Christian people in your life though, that they're there in your garden of Gethsemane. The reality is, is that we need each other in this. And then number four is that we're better together because we can overcome temptation better together. You and I can resist the enemy easier when we're united. Anytime you've got a situation going on that you need help, you can call a friend and say, would you help me walk through this this temptation trial that I'm going through? I need your help. This is what the Apostle uh, James says. He says, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. He uses this phrase, this word that we're, that we uh, each person is tempted when he 's lured or enticed by his own desire. the reality is is um, there is a lure a temptation when it comes to uh, uh, uh the, the the spiritual life and there's a reality uh recently I went fishing with my son Sam, and we did our homework and uh on where we should fish out in the white mountains and uh, we talked to forest rangers, talked to other fishermen. We read uh, articles online. And because why? Because we had been striking out like crazy and not catching any fish uh, for, for, for a period of time. So we did our homework and we found it. out what, what were the fish biting on? When were they biting? And what were they, uh, where were they biting? And, and all that stuff. And so we show up at this lake and we start to fish and we're excited. And I'm so thankful that we caught a bunch of fish. We caught a bunch of rainbow trout, wonderful time, awesome experience. And then as I was driving back and thinking about that and preparing for this message, I started to reflect. I started to think about the relationship and the analogies. And I saw that word about how James mentions that temptation, there's a lure to temptation. And I started thinking, well, the lure or the bait is a lot like temptation you and I see things that we like and we want to go get them. And there, then their sin is a lot like a, a, a treble hook. It, it, may, it may be covered with the bait, but underneath that bait or underneath that worm is a sharp, three barbed, razor sharp hook that snags us and snares us and tears our soul and our spiritual life. And the reality is, is that there are also, Christians are like fish. And there's big ones, there's small ones, there's smart ones. Maybe there's dumb ones. Or maybe, okay, maybe just foolish ones. But there's definitely that kind of metaphor, analogy going on here. And the Apostle James wants us to know is that temptation... It's challenging and I started thinking about this. Uh, I wonder if the fish can communicate with each other to tell them to watch out and don't bite that bait because there's a hook underneath there and they're gonna get caught and they're gonna be killed. And I bet that, that is true because if you think about it, how many times have you heard a fishing story where somebody tells you a story about fishing and they're like, it was this big and it got away. Well, why did it get away? Well, it's probably learned it's lesson a time or two it probably learned how to wiggle that hook out of its mouth. It probably learned what was fake, what was real. And then I started thinking about it. In the Christian life, there's big fish and little fish. The reality is, is if you're that big fish, you've been around a while. You know how to avoid the temptation, the lures. You've learned to survive and thrive, and your job is is to help the little fish. The reality is is that you could take that power and influence and eat up all the other little fish, but God's called you to help others. When it comes to temptation, the reality is is we have to overcome this temptation. It is a lure. It does look good on the outside, but there's a painful consequence on the other side. So I wanna challenge you to do that. There are some big fish and some little fish in the Christian life. And Jesus says, this to his disciples that you should watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation for the flesh is weak, but the spirit of God is strong. So I want to pray with you right now that you would be strong in your faith and realize that you need to take some of these steps that I've mentioned today, that you can be better together. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to teach. I pray God for all those now that are Um, Lord, seeking to apply this into their life. May they take steps forward in being better together for their good and the church's good in all for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey guys, it's been great being with you today. We're gonna continue to worship on in our service. Have a great uh, morning and afternoon and evening. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.